0: Amen. I'll invite you to turn your Bibles tonight to Luke chapter 13. Hallelujah. I want to start reading in verse 10. We'll read down through verse 17. Here's an occasion of healing or a healing event, we might call it, in Jesus' ministry. It says, beginning in verse 10, Luke chapter 13, verse 10, And he, Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. Now, the word infirmity is used in a variety of ways. Most everybody thinks whenever the word infirmity is used, it means sickness. And sometimes it does, but not always. The word infirmity very simply means weakness. It's sometimes referred to weakness in the body, meaning sickness. But other times, the Bible refers to infirmities as just being a weakness. For example, you could have a weakness in your flesh and it not be sick. Are you out there? So anyway, it says, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. Apparently, there's an evil spirit behind this. Now, that doesn't mean there's an evil spirit behind every sickness and disease. I believe Satan, who is the ultimate evil spirit, is behind every sickness and disease that exists. But that does not necessarily mean there's a demon activity or demonic activity involved in every sickness and every disease. See, some people see things and run off with it and say, well, okay, I've got a spirit of infirmity. Well, how do you know? I've had people come up to me and say, Pastor Mike, I need you to pray and cast the devil out of me. Well, what for? What, what, you, what in the world makes you think you got a devil in you? Well, I, I just read in this story or somebody told me I had a spirit of infirmity like that woman over in Luke chapter 13. Uh, you know, that's a real difficult thing. Because first of all, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, then there is no evil spirit that could dwell in your spirit. The Holy Spirit who indwells you when you are born again does not cohabit with the devil. Now, there may be, there may be work, a work of the devil against you to oppress your body. There, that's, uh, uh, well, I'm not going to say it's common, but it's, it's not unknown. But this is a situation where this is a person who apparently has a specific evil spirit that's enforcing this sickness and disease. Now, if that's the case with you or me or somebody else, wouldn't God be faithful to show you? Or would God go through life, let you go through life as a child of God, as a believer, filled with, or born of the Spirit, maybe filled with the Spirit, go through life and not let you know the work of the devil operating against you? Would that make sense to anybody? No, but see what happens is sometimes people reach out in faith and they don't receive and they're looking for a reason why they don't receive and somebody, maybe it's the person that prayed for them to be healed and it doesn't work, they've got to come up with a reason why it doesn't work. Well, you've got a spirit of infirmity. Well, then cast it out. And I'll tell you something else too. God's never gonna, not ever going to show somebody something's there without giving them the power to do something about it. See, it's real easy for some to say, well, it's this and it's that. Well, then deal with it. If God showed you, if you're the man of faith and power that God revealed all things to, then do something about it. I think what's happened is you've got people... That don't know what's going on play in church in many cases. However back to the story. Verse 11. And behold there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. And was bound together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her he called her to him and said unto her. Woman thou art loose from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Now if we stop the story right there. We won't, but if we stop the story right there, I want you to consider a couple of things. First of all, was there any fanfare about this healing? Did lightning flash from the sky? Did anybody hear thunder? Was there a voice from heaven or a special anointing that's spoken of to set her free? No, it's just a casual thing. Jesus accomplished the work that he was sent to do. Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. But we have a problem. Verse 14. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. And he said unto the people, there are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. Now if he knows this woman and she's been around and had this spirit of infirmity for 18 years, why didn't he do something about it? The reason he didn't do anything about it is because he didn't have any power to do anything about it. But he's going to criticize the one that does. And folks... You judge this for yourself, but in my opinion, religion is what he represents. Religion has kept more people in bondage than any other thing on the face of the earth. And the Lord answered and said unto him, Thou hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? In other words, on the Sabbath day, you'll break your own law. What you won't allow other people to do, you'll do yourself to take care of your animal. Why? Because there's money in it for you. It would be very costly for your animal to die on the Sabbath day for a lack of water. And then Jesus uses his own words. Verse 16. He said. And not not this woman. Being a daughter of Abraham. Whom Satan has bound. Lo these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. In other words if you treat your animals better than her. Why wouldn't you let her loose too. And when he had said these things. All of his adversaries were ashamed. And all the people rejoiced for that all the glorious things that were done by him. Now let's break this down for a little bit. It says that Jesus initiates. It doesn't say anything about this woman coming. It doesn't say anything about this woman's faith. It doesn't. It's, it's not a situation like the woman with, with the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5. Who came in the press behind and touched him. For she said if I may touch but his clothes. And Jesus told her after she received her healing. Daughter your faith has made you whole. No indication whatsoever about faith on the part of the individual. Where this woman is concerned. However there are a couple of things that we need to see. Need to see and need to recognize. First and foremost. Jesus was teaching. What do you think he was teaching? What do you suppose Jesus was teaching on the Sabbath day? See, the Bible talks more about Jesus' teaching ministry than it does any other thing. We sometimes miss that because we get caught up in the miracles and the healings and the deliverance and different things like that. But the Bible speaks more of Jesus' teaching ministry than any other thing. Every one of the the chapters throughout the Gospels that tell us about uh, the Sermon on the Mount, for example, Jesus is teaching. We see in Luke chapter 4 that Jesus went into his hometown of Nazareth and he took the place from the Old Testament. Isaiah, what we know of is Isaiah 61. And he read from the scriptures, from Isaiah the prophet, he read the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. And then he speaks of what he's anointed to do, uh, what Isaiah prophesied that he was anointed to do. And then said, "This, this day this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. In other words, Jesus taught the first time he ever went to a town, at least his own hometown of Nazareth. I can't imagine why it would be any different. He, uh, he went to Capernaum before he ever went to Nazareth and had great signs and wonders, great healing miracles. Well, it would seem to stand to, to, uh, to reason that he's going to follow the same pattern that worked in Capernaum, didn't he? I would. Man, if I taught something in one city and it worked and produced healing miracles, I'd teach the same thing in the next city. I'm not going to be looking for something new. I'm going to do the same thing that produced results the last place I went. Well, if he did it in Capernaum and did it in, in Nazareth, why would we not expect that he did it the first time he went into any city? We don't know about this being the first time he's there, so we don't know if he's teaching that. But in Matthew chapter 7, we te- see that Jesus was teaching people how to hold authority, how to exercise authority. And they were amazed because he didn't teach like the scribes did. They were amazed because he taught people that they had authority in their own lives. Now, why in the world wouldn't Jesus teach that he had authority? Because he was a son of God. Because no matter how much Jesus is the Son of God, no matter how much the power of God was upon Him, except the individual choose to exercise His will to receive, it's not going to work. That's what He ran into in Nazareth. It says in Mark chapter six, Mark's account of His, his uh, first time in Nazareth, it said, and He could there do no He could there uh, do no mighty work, save her, except He laid His hands on a few sickly folks and healed them. Bion's expository dictionary of New Testament words says of that word sickly folks with minor ailments. In other words, he didn't get any blind people healed in Nazareth. Yet he's there teaching that the spirit of the Lord is upon him. What do you think? Jesus was tricking them. If he's teaching that the fear of the Lord is upon him to heal the brokenhearted and bring the uh, recovering of sight to the blind and deliverance to the captives and so forth. If he's teaching that these things are true and then says this day this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Isn't that the same thing as him saying that's what I'm here in this city to do? But he couldn't do it. Doesn't say he wouldn't. Said he couldn't. Now that blows some people's mind because some people have the idea that Jesus was the Son of God and, and he was, but because he was the Son of God, he could just do anything and everything he wanted to. Well, folks, if that were true, why wouldn't he make everybody pay their tithes? If Jesus could do everything he wanted to, why wouldn't he make everybody get saved? The Bible says he wants to. The Bible says it's the will of God for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Then if God can do anything he wants to, why didn't he just make that happen? What are we jumping through all the hoops for and the last day stuff and Satan increasing in power and men getting worse and worse? Why didn't God just make everybody get saved? It's not the way it works. Why? Because man has authority in his own life. Man can choose what he will receive and what he will accept. So Jesus is teaching on the synagogue, on the Sabbath day in the synagogue. I don't know what he's teaching, but the fact that he ministers healing tells me that it at least was a part of what he's talking about. Why would he expect for this woman to have some kind of faith to receive healing? Or why would he expect to get healing results if he's not talking about something relative to healing? Wouldn't it be silly for him to be talking about water baptism and then try to heal her? Because everywhere Jesus went, it came down to the will of the individuals to receive. He even told that to the disciples when he sent them out. He said, into whatsoever city you go into, if they'll receive you, then heal the sick. But if they won't receive you shake the dust off your feet. And tell them the power of God was here to minister to you. But you refused it. In so many words. So I have no doubt that Jesus is teaching. About the gift of God. And the will of God. Including healing. May not be the only thing. May not have even even been his main topic. But it had to be in there somewhere. And as a result. Jesus looks at the woman. And says to her, woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. Now, this root word for the word loosed is the same root word that's used for the, the, uh, the word redemption in a couple of places in the New Testament. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, it talks about we have received redemption through the blood of Jesus. In other words, it's talking about we've been loosed. It's used later on in, uh, oh, what is it, verse 16, where the word loosed is, is used. Shouldn't this woman who's been bound by Satan for these 18 years be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day? That's the word that's used for redemption. The root word that's used for redemption in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12. In other words, Jesus was doing the work of redemption here on the earth even before he went to the cross. Now it was a part-time or a short-term redemption. Not part-time, but short-term redemption. But it would be accomplished and fulfilled for eternity when he went to the cross and shed his blood. Now, why did he do that? Because he was performing the will of God on the earth. Why did Jesus heal the sick when he was here? Because he's performing the will of God on the earth. Now, please notice God's perspective. Jesus, even though he didn't heal because he was the son of God. See, if Jesus had healed because he was the son of God, there was no way it would have been impossible for him to delegate healing power to the disciples. Because they're not children of God. They're not the sons of God. If Jesus did healing works and healing miracles because he was the son of God. There's nobody else on the the face of the earth that could have done it. Yet he delegated that same healing power to his disciples. So that means the reason that he was healing was not because he was the son of God. Well, why did he heal then? Because he was a man, a righteous man here on the earth. Operating under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And he delegated a part of that anointing to the disciples that is that just like him. When people would receive the message that they taught. Hear the things, hear and receive the things that they said. Then the healing power would work. So we see something very important, at least in my thinking, in this story. We see God's attitude toward what people ought to have. And really that's the title of tonight's message. Receiving what you ought to have. Here's God's attitude. Jesus sees the woman. He's taught teaching the things concerning the kingdom of God. He's teaching God's plan on the earth. He's teaching something about being sent to the earth, commissioned by the Father to perform the will of God here on the earth. Whether he's talking about healing, whether he's talking about miracles or not, I can't say for sure. But he's got to be talking about what his purpose is here on the earth or else why is he teaching? I doubt very seriously if he's trying to teach loyalties with the Pharisees. He's teaching things concerning the kingdom of God. So you fill in the blanks. I don't care what you come up with. You fill in the blanks. Whatever it is, it has something to do with his mission here on the earth. And then Jesus looks on the woman who is bound. And Jesus says, here's God's will in action. Jesus said, woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. Jesus does not stop and look at her and say, lady, if you just lived a better life, then God would do something good for you. He doesn't talk to her about whether or not she told a lie last week. He doesn't talk to her about whether she's been ugly to her husband or not. He doesn't talk to her about any mistakes she may have made. Now don't get religious on me here. She's human so she's made some. Just like you. Yet none of those things count against her. None of those things the devil tells you if only... You had done this. Or if only you hadn't done this. Then maybe it would work. None of those things apply. I assume I'm talking to the right crowd. The devil does talk to you like that, doesn't he? Or is it just me? No, he does all of us. None of those things apply. Jesus does not stop an interviewer. He does not stop and try to figure out how tough this situation is or how long it's been. He seems to know. Now, whether he knows by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, by revelation of the Spirit, or whether somebody has told him about this woman, we don't know. Could be either way, and either way is fine. But he's aware that she's been in this case for a long time, 18 years to be exact. And Jesus said, woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. In other words, God's perspective is, you ought to be free. Now, here's another question. Then why isn't she? Why has she been bound for 18 years? Well, the answer is very simple. It's either because she doesn't know what belongs to her or she doesn't know how to get what she knows does belong to her. It's got to be one of those two. I'm inclined to think that Jesus taught to tell her what belongs to her and then helped her over the hump, if you will, to receive it. Maybe she is aware. Maybe she's a, a student of the law maybe she knows what God what promises God made to Abraham and knows that healing belongs to her I mean let's face it the way in the position she's in bent over double at the waist there's not a whole lot more she can do in during her day except read maybe she's been reading the law maybe she's very knowledgeable maybe she's in church every time the doors are open maybe she has heard and knows about the blessing of Abraham but she still needs somebody to get her over And that's just what Jesus came to do, to get us over. And folks, Jesus didn't stop when he went to heaven. The work of Jesus to get you over into that which belongs to you didn't end when he went to the cross. He's still here to get you over. So God's attitude is, woman, something belongs to you. So be loose from your infirmity. Now up to that point, like I said, if the story ends right there, then we can look at it and say, wow, look at what God's attitude is toward people that are sick and bound by the devil. But if the story stopped right now, we wouldn't know the extent of Jesus' reasoning. No, it took the religious people getting their hackles up that caused us to know the rest. Now the religion steps in. Religion says, well, now healing, you know, healing's all right, but not on the Sabbath day. Like they heal any other time. Like they've got healing services every day except Saturday or except the Sabbath day because they're obeying the law. Not a chance. they're using the time as an excuse for what they don't believe in. and folks religion always does that. Religion always tries to put things off, and the devil will do the same thing for you. The devil will say, "Well, God's going to heal you someday, just not today." but you have to be patient. Notice God's attitude toward being patient to receive what belongs to you. Be free. Take it now. See, the church has got apparently the church has got a lot different ideas about healing and receiving from God than God does. Now, no offense intended here to to our dear religious friends, but given the choice between what they think it should work like, or how they think it should work, and what God says about it, I'm gonna stick with God. And Jesus didn't say, "Woman, in three years' time, thou shalt be loosed." He did not say, lady, just wait till I come back from the cross. He said, woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. Now, what made the difference in her being free from from her infirmity when Jesus spoke and when she came to church bent over? And I don't know how she gets to church. I don't know if she's bent over at the waist and her legs still work and she shuffles along. But at the very least, that would be an uncomfortable and inconvenient way to, to get around. Maybe she's got friends and those friends put her in a little cart or something like that and get her from one place to the other. I don't know. We know that other sick people had people that carried them on in pallets, mats and stuff like that from one place to another when they were crippled. This woman's in pretty bad shape. She's bent over at the waist. Her life is the top of her shoes. I don't even know how she's watching Jesus. What do you do in a situation like that? Do you lay down on your back so you can see ahead of you? I don't know. My mind works kind of weird about some of this stuff, folks. You may have never never had that kind of thought. And I'm thinking all the time, how's she sitting? Is she sitting down in a chair looking at her feet? Whatever it is, Jesus sees her and says, woman, you're loosed. Not going to be, not someday, not in the sweet by and by, not healed when you get to heaven. Oh, I can't stand that one. Uh, we'll be healed when we get to heaven. No, you won't. You won't have a body when you get to heaven, at least not before the rapture. What's there to be healed when you get to heaven? Healing's for now. I don't mean to, to upset anybody, but I've had so many people who's, whose loved one failed to receive their healing, and then they come back with, well, he's healed now. No, he's not. He's in heaven. His spirit's in heaven, but not his body. Folks, healing is for now. Now, I'm not throwing rocks at somebody that doesn't know how to, re, doesn't know how to get it and doesn't, and, and doesn't receive before they go home. I'm not against anything like that. But bless God, Jesus paid for healing now. I'm just not willing to compromise on that. And if I die sick, don't you let that change you from believing that the Bible's true where it says Jesus died for your well-being and your healing now. I'm not going to go by my experience any more than I'm going to go by somebody else's. So Jesus said, woman, thou art loosed from your infirmity. Free now. Laid hands on her and she was made straight. Can you imagine? Put yourself in that position. Just block everything else out and put yourself in the position. Here this woman is bent over at the waist. Jesus touches her after he says you're loose. Touches her. All of a sudden she straightens up like she's been straightened all of her life. It does not tell us that the people glorified God. It does not tell us there was a great stir in the synagogue. It does not tell us there was a hoop and holler meeting that began from that moment. It says the religious guy steps up and makes his voice known. And folks, religion always will. Well, now, healing is okay, but not today. She could have come any other day of the week to receive her healing, but not on the Sabbath day. And Jesus says, well, you got a point. I know how you guys love your Sabbath day rituals. Nope. He doesn't entertain it for one second. He says, you hypocrite. Why is he a hypocrite? Because this guy hasn't been any help to her getting her healing for 18 years. He's been nothing but an obstacle for her. And now he's going to be an obstacle for her rejoicing in what she's already received. So Jesus said, you hypocrite. You treat your animals better than you treat this woman. You'll turn them loose. You'll lead them away to water on the Sabbath day. Which is contrary to the law of the Jews. The tradition of the Jews. Not the law. But the tradition of the elders. You'll do things that that violate your own traditions. But you'll tell other people not to. Because you don't want to lose your animals. To dehydration. And ought not this woman. Please notice how Jesus is thinking. See Jesus had this in mind. Before he ever said woman you're loosed. Ought not this woman. Two reasons. Number one, being a daughter of Abraham. In other words, healing belongs to her. Whether she knows how to get it or not, whether she has gotten it or received it for 18 years or not, it belongs to her. Folks, I don't care how long you've been sick. I don't care how long your condition has been what it is. Healing belongs to you. And all you need is somebody to get you over to receive it. Just like her. So Jesus said there's two reasons why she ought to receive. Number one, she's a daughter of Abraham. She's a daughter of Abraham. The Bible says that Christ has redeemed us. Galatians 3.13 says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. For this reason, verse 14. Galatians 3 verse 14. Here's why Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. Here's why Jesus hung on the cross. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through faith. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, first of all. Secondly, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. In other words, Jesus went to the cross, so the same blessing and the same uh, uh, benefits of the blessing of Abraham that belonged to her would belong to you. In other words, it belongs to you just as much as it belongs to her, according to the Bible. That means Jesus, looking at this crowd in this situation, is saying, Ought not this person man or woman, ought not this person be healed. That's his attitude. I'm not sure what yours is. But his attitude is the same as he took toward hers. It has to be because the Bible says God is no respecter of persons. Which means God would have to say, think the same thing about what belongs to you as he thought about what belongs to her. We know what he thought about her. Ought not this woman be loose from this bond on the Sabbath? Why? Because, number one, she's a daughter of Abraham. Well, if you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you're a child of God and therefore an heir of Abraham's blessing. In other words, it belongs to you just as much as it belongs to her. Not one bit less and in my opinion, a little bit more. Second reason that Jesus said she ought to be loosed. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day whom Satan has bound? Tells you where sickness comes from. Whom Satan is bound, lo, these 18 years. Should she not be loose because Satan is bound her? The Bible says in 1 John chapter um, 3. What is it? Chapter 3 verse. Uh, I'm trying to say it's verse 14. I'm not sure if that's right or not. But anyway, it says, For this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. In other words, Jesus looked at this woman and said, Well, not only does it belong to her because she's the daughter of Abraham, but here's the work of the devil and I'm sent to destroy his works. I wonder how God looks at it now. All sickness is of the devil. We know that. Sickness wasn't in place when God created the earth. It says everything God made, he made in the first six days. At the end of the sixth day, he looked at it and said, it's very good. Then he made man. The Bible says at the end of the, seventh, uh, at the, end of the sixth day, the seventh day rested, at the end of the sixth day, he made an end of everything he created. In other words, if sickness was ever created by God, it had to be made in the first six days. Which day was it? Tells us what he made on day one. Sickness is not part of it. Day two is identified. Sickness isn't part of that. Same thing for days three through six. Tells us what God did make and sickness is not on the list. God looked at the earth at the end of six days and said it was very good. Why was it very good? Because there was nothing that could hurt or destroy mankind. The only thing that came along that could hurt man came as a result of the disobedience to God by Adam and Eve when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil when God had commanded them not to and spiritual death began to take over their lives in other words sickness is a byproduct of sin the sin of Adam from that point on the earth begins to operate under a curse the earth that was never designed To bring forth thorns and thistles now brings forth thorns and thistles. Man who is destined to live forever in an immortal state, in a mortal condition, now spiritual death begins to affect his body in a physical manner, and death begins to overtake him. And folks, sickness is nothing more than creeping death from a physical standpoint. Not only that, but man begins to age. Adam, what were you thinking? Man's body begins to decay. That never was part of the plan of God. Paul talked about that. He said the outward man decays. But the good news is the inward man, the spirit man, is renewed day by day. So sickness only came on the scene after Adam fell. When Satan became the god of this world. When Adam delivered his authority unto Satan. And Satan now becomes the ruler of this earth. That doesn't mean he's the ruler of everybody. But he is the God of this world or the ruler of the earth. He does have a measure of control during this age of mankind until after Jesus comes back and reestablishes his throne here on the earth during the millennium. Up until then, Satan has rule. He has control. But not of those who have exercised their will to remove themselves from Satan's control. And the only way you can do that is by making Jesus the Lord of your life. So Jesus looks at this woman and says, Satan has bound this woman for 18 years. That's enough reason to set her loose. That's enough reason to set her free right there. Because Jesus was made manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Well, I wonder if Jesus' job has changed. See, in the modern day church, the modern day church says that Jesus that everything is flip flopped, everything is reversed. When Jesus came to the earth, he was sent to destroy the works of the devil, meaning sickness was of the devil, and healing was God and was always good. But now that Jesus has gone to the cross, somehow and other things have changed because now sickness is from God, and it 's sent to teach you something. So God is now the oppressor instead of the devil. And that's what religion will try to sell you. And folks, it's a lie. It's a lie straight from the pit of hell. Things have never changed. Sickness has always been from the devil. Healing has always been from God. And healing is always good. God never uses sickness. He never uses tragedy to try to teach anybody anything. The Bible says there is one and only one way that God teaches his children. And that is through the word. Ought not this woman. Ought not this woman. Being a daughter of Abraham. And because she was bound for 18 years by Satan. Ought she not be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day. Ought you not to be loose from sickness. What case can the devil make. Well here's why it won't work for you. We've already seen that. Making mistakes in your life are not good enough reasons. This woman's made mistakes in her life. And Jesus still was willing to heal her. I love the fact that he didn't even interview her. He didn't even try to find out how good she was. He just sees she's sick. She's just in need of help. And Jesus was willing to be the one to get her over. Into that which belonged to her. Has Jesus' job changed Is he not still the one to get you over? To receive what belongs to you? What's changed? God hadn't changed. The devil hadn't changed. Sickness hadn't changed. It's still from the same place. What's changed? Not a thing in the world. Jesus is still the one to get you over. To receive what belongs to you. Now, after Jesus makes his case, and please understand, this is the Son of God making his case. He didn't heal her because he was the Son of God, but he is the Son of God. He healed her because of the anointing that was given to him to reveal reveal the Father and the Father's will to mankind. He did so by healing the woman. Now, if Jesus is working contrary to the will of God, that means he's not a worthy Messiah. He's not a worthy Savior. He's a sinner himself. So we know that it was the will of God for her to be healed furthermore we know that if it's the will of God for her to be healed but not the will of God for everybody to be healed then God is a respecter of persons and the Bible is a lie so Jesus has manifested the will of God concerning not just her sickness her freedom her healing but the will of God concerning all healing and all deliverance it can't be different for her than it is for somebody else or else God is playing favorites He's picking winners and losers. The Bible says the same blessing belongs to all of those who make Jesus the Lord of their lives. So please realize this is Jesus identifying his thinking process. His will as generated by the will of the Father. The woman ought to be free because Satan is her, and because healing belongs to her. Healing belongs to you. Healing belongs to you. Notice what happens at the end of that. When everybody hears him shut the religious people up. Notice what it says in verse 17. And when he said these things all his adversaries were ashamed. They didn't give up. They just quieted down for a moment. Religion will always rear its ugly head. But he said when he said these things all of his adversaries were ashamed. And all of the people rejoiced. Notice the two different points of view. The people are the ones in the middle waiting to make a decision on what they believe. Religion speaks its mind. Jesus speaks his. And all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. How was he able to do those things? Folks, it goes back to verse 10. On the Sabbath day, he was teaching in the synagogue. He was teaching in the synagogue. Do you believe that Jesus was teaching, and don't get me wrong, I know he's a better teacher than I am. But do you believe in any way whatsoever Jesus was saying more forcefully that healing belongs to you than we've talked about tonight? How can you get more absolute? Jesus identifies. We use Jesus' reasoning. Jesus himself identifies his reasoning. The Holy Ghost gives us a record of it. He identifies his reasoning for why she got healed. Because it belonged to her, number one. And number two, because Satan was the one that had bound her. Who of us don't fall into that same category? Show me anybody that's made Jesus the Lord of their lives that doesn't fall into that same category. Whatever their condition is, it's the work of the devil. However long they've had it, it's been the work of the devil. And it belongs to us, according to Galatians 3, 13 and 14, just as much as it belonged to her. Just as much as it belonged to her. Now, folks, I've got something to tell you. Well, first of all, let me ask you a question. Who in here is sick and want to have hands laid on them? The Bible says that after Jesus said to her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity, he laid hands on her and she was made straight. She wasn't made straight until he laid hands on her. The contact of his hands had something to do with that healing power transfer. Even though nobody says anything about feeling anything. doesn't say Jesus felt it go out of him and into her. doesn't say that she felt anything. It just says Jesus laid hands on her. There had to be a reason why he laid hands on her. He made contact with her for a reason. And it was the contact of his hands in connection with or following the words that he said about her being free that her body changed. We can all see that, can't we?